Welcome to the This Makes Me Uncomfortable podcast, where we discuss all the things that make us uncomfortable. I'm your co-host, Alura. And I'm the other one, Jade. On today's episode, we're going to start by saying goodbye to most of you listeners, because you're going to get offended. We're talking (laughs) about religion today. (laughs) Um, It's April, and this marks a celebration of numerous religious holidays, uh, most of which I don't know what they are. Um, So we've got Ugadi, the Hindu New Year, Ramadan, the Islamic holy month to honor the Quran being revealed to the prophet Muhammad, Good Friday, Easter, and Passover. Mm, Love that chocolate, Christianity and Judaism. (laughs) So whatever religion you may or may not follow, we can all agree that religion makes us a little uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Um, We've got some crusading questions, we've got a bunch of sinful stories, and we've got a lot of heathenistic ways. So, sweet baby Jesus, Lord, take the wheel, and let's start praying. But before we do that, we start off each episode with, Jade, any rants, complaints, inconveniences? Anything making you uncomfortable? Yes. If I were a Christian, Jesus would be so tired of listening to all of my (laughs) prayers. Prayers are just rants, right? Um, Yeah, I have two things today. One's a a quick one, okay? So um, the other day I was feeling nothing and I thought, hmm, this is happening a lot more regularly lately. (laughs) Every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so I was like, oh, I, I'm going to try to break out of it by playing a song that always makes me feel better. Allura, do you have a song that does that for you? Like a kind of a go-to song or playlist? that I have so many playlists. A lot of them are like titled Go to Therapy or um... <laughs> or Happy Day. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. <laughs> Um, but yes okay (laughs) like what's an example of a song that that you've been listening to lately that makes you feel good or kind of somewhat good a resemblance of human good um well my current obsession with just this one person SZA not sure if you're familiar Uh, with my queen my lord and savior Mm -hmm. um I think she is who I worship, to be honest. Um, so if you ever heard her song Snooze, I'm obsessed with it. It makes me ugly cry in the car oh, that's every day. Good. Cleansing. So that makes me feel emotions. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you still have that and yeah. that your idolatrous relationship with SZA really brings it out of you. That's good. So mine, since I've been a kid, is Madonna's Like a Prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> messed up that you're laughing right now <laughs> you know I was never like a big Madonna fan or even like pop fan per se but I think it holds a really nostalgic place in my memory because growing up in the 80s 
that music video really made an impression on me and namely because of hot black Jesus. <laughs> and so whenever I hear the song, I feel the feels that I felt when I was, you know, just a wee one looking at this beautiful man who was the Jesus in the video and, you know, getting Madonna dancing and just like moving her robes around and whatnot. And the flames are lit and flickering. And so usually that song makes me feel really good. And so the other day I turned it on thinking this will break me out of my funk. And I turned it on and I hear those 80s pop beats. I'm thinking of that man's beautiful face and body. And I still felt nothing. (laughs) (laughs) My other thing that's making me uncomfortable... Related to the topic of religion is, uh, so let's play a hypothetical game. Okay. So say I have friends, right? And (laughs) one of said group of friends, which is a diverse cast of characters, of course. So it's like saved by the bell, really. And uh, they invite me over to their home for dinner and, you know, with their family and all that. And say this dinner begins with a prayer. And everybody closes their eyes and clasps their hands. Or sometimes I think they do a little like hand holding or something. Someone's leading it with words and feelings and hopes and wishes. What do I do? What do you do in that situation, Alara? Do you close your eyes and pretend to pray? (laughs) That is such a great question because literally that is the same exact thought too. (laughs) I went to a funeral recently, like back in December, and it was Mm -hmm. all just praying and rosaries and hand holding and all those things. And I was just like, what do, what do I do? (laughs) Um, I just looked down Hmm. and tried to shield my face. That's a classy move. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of very, very noir. <laughs> yeah. You just pull like a veil over your face. Yeah. <laughs> a little black fishnet of mourning. Uh, um, I always like to, like when people are like bowing their heads and closing their eyes, I always just like to take a look around. <laughs> Ooh, I shuddered. Because <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's so funny to me. You like to watch or just like, I know a secret and (laughs) it It fits you that you would like to watch when no one's looking back at you. Yeah. Appropriately creepy. So that's what I do. Um, I still haven't figured it out what the proper thing to do is. Yeah. And I do appreciate it when the person, let's say my friend, gives me a little tutorial ahead of time, you know, because... Mm -hmm. I have had friends who, you know, come from like a a Muslim background or something who say, hey, I know you're not from this, so this is what we're going to do. And if you want to do this, you can, or if you can do this. Like, I appreciate that because I, of course, don't want to offend anyone's religion or culture or their family. Definitely not. Mad parents make me so scared. Um, But I just, um, I also don't want to feel 
or look like I'm being disingenuous. Like if people are praying and they know I'm not of that religion and then I close my eyes, like I don't want to make it feel like I'm making fun of it or not taking it seriously. So all this is to say, I don't know what to do that's the best way. So if religious folks out there listening, tell your heathen friends what the fuck to do because we are lost. We just want to eat. We do. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, we just wanted. We just came for the food. That's the only reason why we come out of our house. Yeah, pretty much. And now that you can get food delivered, there's really no reason to leave anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. That's it, everybody. I'm done. You'll never <laughs> see me again. Um, Alura, what's making you uncomfortable, or who are you making uncomfortable these days? Okay, well, um, I had recently gone to uh, my father's house, um, and Uh-oh. I was, <laughs> they are fans of uh, the pod, which confuses and frightens me all at the same time, because I'm just like, interesting. Um, but hey, I was, we love you. <laughs> I was telling them, I was like, hey, listen. We're planning a religion episode, and you may or may not be all too thrilled. (laughs) And then my stepmom, like, literally was just, like, telling me all the things were, like, like, in the past when I was younger, it was unfathomable to me. Like, it was, like, church every Sunday, like, pray before we eat pray before we go to bed, like all these things. And now they've done like a complete 180 and they're like sharing like similar sentiments on like why I find like organized religion, like problematic. And I'm just like, who, Mm. let me reintroduce myself because I don't know who you are. and I don't think you know me. So (laughs) I think the complete switch up on, like religion and like their opinions and thoughts and like how they practice makes me uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I was banking on them like staying consistent in their ways mm-hmm. <laughs> and now they've just completely upended it and I just don't know what to do well that's and interesting I- because usually you know when someone you know, starts questioning and understanding things and comes around more to your side, you think it would feel better. (laughs) But do you think it's brought you closer together because you can talk about those things or see eye to eye more? I don't know. It makes me more suspicious. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it is, it is a little unnerving when things that you thought were fixed become a little more fluid. And I get I could see that. It's understandable. Well, that kind of leads us into one of our first topics, which is is just kind of exploring what religions were in our upbringing and what our religious backgrounds, so to speak, are. Um, but before we get into that, I think we really need to clarify that Allura and I are definitely no experts on any religion, including the ones that we grew up with. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so please don't come here for information. <laughs> oh, absolutely <laughs> or, not. Yeah, or knowledge or anything. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Alura, you kind of mentioned a little bit about your religious background. Do you want to share more about what you grew up with? 
Yeah. So um, I grew up Catholic. Um, and it was very, like, I went to um, Catholic school, like, I think in, like, kindergarten. Um, and then I, like, switched over to preschool. But it was, like, church every Sunday. We did, like, CCD, like, after church, which is, like, school for the religion. I don't know. <laughs> I was just forced to go like after church. <laughs> Wait, what, does, what does CCD stand for? I don't know. Like Catholic church. Something that starts with a D. Um, All of our Catholic listeners. <laughs> when I Google CCD, Community College of Denver comes up. Okay, so you were enrolled in the Community College of Denver. <laughs> <laughs> kindergartner. Okay, Mile um, High City. Yeah. So, yeah. And like I said, it was like we prayed before we ate, prayed before we went to bed, church every Sunday, CCD after church. It was like a whole thing. And um, even like the second I was able to like think for myself and come up with like an original thought, like I always knew, like, uh, something swishy here. Like, I don't really, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> and so, like, it was, like, pretty, like, I was pretty young when, like, I came to that, like, conclusion where I was just, like, I'm just being dragged and forced to be here. Um, and, like, I don't know if you're familiar, but, like, you have to do, like, confirmation, um, I think that's the right word. I've been oh, so Oh, that's where you like click on your email, right? Yes. <laughs> that's what it was. Um, and so I think confirmation like happens maybe like when you're in high school, I believe. And you're just like confirming your like place in the church. I may be completely wrong, but this is just what I remember <laughs> and you're my understanding. You, you pledge your Catholicism. like your Yeah. And you. so I remember I did not want to do this at all. And there was like this one part where like you have to go to like this. Um, I think it's like a weekend stay like in a camp. And you're just like surrounded by like your peers doing this like camp Mm -hmm. as like part of the process to be confirmed and I remember like I cried so hard like to my mom and I was like I do not want to go you cannot make me go and my mom was like okay like I'll I'll tell your father like you know I'll have you for the weekend and I was like great psych bitches um (laughs) like a couple of weekends later they made me my parent, like my father, like made me go to this camp, but it was like with another church. So it was like oh. no kids I knew. It was like oh. completely different, you know? And so, like, me also being shy, I was like, this is the end of the world. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the worst. And so, did that. I think I got confirmed early. Um, because my stepmom was also like she was one of the CCD like teachers, and so she had it in. <laughs> and so, they were like, "We gotta save this one quick. Let's put her on yeah. track." 
Yeah. And so I did it. I think I did it in like eighth grade when you're actually supposed to do it, like you're like freshman or like sophomore year in high school or something like that. But um, yeah. And that has always just like had a special place in my heart of contest and resentment of <laughs> me going to that camp against my will. Um, but yeah, well, I have a lot of just traumatic stories of <laughs> Catholicism. What was the camp like? Like, what did they make you do there? I don't even remember. Like, I think it was like on... It was like a campground in like either Riverside or like Escondido. I don't know, Ooh, like somewhere traumatic. in the woods. Um, and we did like a bunch of like different like exercises. I think like the parents like had to write you like a letter that you would open like at the end of your like experience to read and it was supposed to be this like aha moment but when I read it I was just like fuck y'all like (laughs) this means nothing to me (laughs) your body starts sizzling (laughs) yeah it was just terrible and I I think I like blocked it out because I honestly like don't really remember I just remember like the actual site and oh my god our brains are so awesome because they'll just block out trauma just like yeah huge chunks of time it's so cool what our brains I, do i love it i'm yeah. with it i dig it let's <laughs> erase that memory <laughs> um well that's hard because that it's a, a religious matter that's kind of forcing you to do these things but it's also this uh, trespass on your social comfort as well like forcing you to talk with kids and probably sing songs and climb rope ladders and shit with kids you don't know so that's pretty uncomfortable for you I would see how that would be traumatic and also like too like I was like maybe a year or two like younger than the Mm. rest of the kids as well so like I was with adults in my head you know (laughs) and I was like a little child so that made me uncomfortable but um I always really appreciated um by mom because she um isn't like practicing any like religion she doesn't really have a stance on it um because she also had like a traumatic like religious um background growing up as well so she's kind of just like I'm just neutral I'm just like living Mm. here um so she had always like been um the person I could go to that like didn't like push like religion on me and like really like enabled me to like find my own like answers if I wanted to Mm. so I really appreciated that but that was only half of the time (laughs) you had someone in your life that was willing to let you explore and ask questions and was accepting of you regardless of your choice was was your mother's background catholic as well no. So I think this is so funny. So, and my grandma's such an icon for this, uh, but they grew up <laughs> Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> and so I think the main reason was because, you know, they don't celebrate like any holidays or birthdays or anything like that. And so my grandma had like five kids and <laughs> I think she was in <laughs> to that religion solely for the fact that she didn't have to buy anything (laughs) 
I was doing my budget this morning. I'm thinking I'm going to convert to Jehovah's Witness. That's looking pretty That's right. Now. Yeah. And it's so funny, too, because now um, she's just like a complete 180 and she just like does not care at all. Like she <laughs> does not follow any practices. Mm. And it's so funny. She's so iconic. Well, I think, um, I mean, Fumix is just amazing. She's a queen. But I think for a lot of people who abandon the religions they grew up with, that really testifies to the fact that these religions are imposing rules. Like, it's not about the spirituality or your faith or anything. It's about imposing rules, creating a mm-hmm. structure around you that doesn't allow you to become fully who you are. And so I think that whether you're religious or not, I mean would agree with that especially for little kids you know i mean a kid can grow up with values and have faith and morals without imposing all of these restrictions on them and making them feel bad about who they are and all these do's and don'ts um i i have some experience with catholicism as well well in vietnam the country is kind of split between buddhists and catholics which was brought in by the French, which is probably my innate aversion to Catholicism because it represents a colonialism of like a white invader. (laughs) Um, uh, But so I grew up Buddhist. Now, (laughs) I find that if I claim that, though, there's a lot of (coughs) white (coughs) people who will immediately start going oh my gosh i read the bhagavad gita or i do this yoga or you know i i ate indian food the other day and they're (laughs) they're trying to go back to something that is written and canonical for buddhism but that's not the buddhism i grew up with um i i wouldn't even know how to categorize it this one guy at trader joe's why does everybody at trader joe's have some like kind of (laughs) like they think they're a self-appointed spiritual leader or that they have an honorary phd in whatever the fuck but everybody at trader joe's needs to chill out (laughs) um this one guy at trader joe's was asking me like what branch of i don't know and then he starts rattling off all of these like sanskrit terms i'm like bro i'm Vietnamese, like I grew up with a Buddhism that's not written anywhere. It doesn't come from a branch of any tree that you're meditating under. Like, cool, go do your yoga and and what have you. But the Buddhism I grew up with, it was almost just like like a country, like kind of a boondocks. Like, I'm going to share with you this story of what happened to me. And then you're going to roll that story on. So very much like an oral tradition that wasn't directly connected to anything that was you know, institutionalized. So I grew up with stories of, um, well, there's, there's two stories that really stand out in my mind that are kind of exemplary of the the faith I grew up with. So my mom was a little kid when the U S war in Vietnam was going on. And so they would have these, these air raid sirens that would go off when the Viet Cong or the Northern Vietnamese forces would, would come down into Southern Vietnam and, this was, um, I think this story happens prior to the American alliance with the South Vietnamese military. 
So uh, on one day, my my mom was in Dalak, which is this beautiful mountain town that the French Catholics, by the way, totally colonized and set up their schools. So she went to Catholic school for a while and like got beaten by the nuns and everything. I don't know why I laugh when I said I don't. Want to, sorry. Uncomfortable. <laughs> so the middle of the town has this lakes. Uh, um, and my mom would go there with her brothers to play. And so my mom was down there uh, playing. And then she looked up at the sky and she saw the image of Fakba. Um, okay, so if you're listening and you don't know anything about Vietnamese, fuck means like holy, okay? It's not the, the fun fuck that we use in English. <laughs> so Fakba is like um, the Chinese equivalent of Guang Yin or... Um, I think in Japan it's like Kanon or something, but she's this like female Buddhist deity. Um, so my mom sees her in the sky and Fakba points for her to like run toward home. It's like directing her toward my great grandmother's home. And so my mom is like, whoa, what the fuck? And just starts booking it. And as she's running, the air raid sirens start going off and it ended up being an invasion by the Viet Cong because they knew that the Americans were aligning with South Vietnam. So they were like upping their ante and like just invading all of these cities in South Vietnam and trying to take over. And it ended up being like a, I don't know, my mom was little at the time. So I remember her stories, the details are kind of fuzzy, but it was at least like a 48 hour curfew where they couldn't leave their house. Otherwise they would be shot or imprisoned. And so my mom tells a story of being basically trapped detained in her own home and having to like eat bugs off the floor and there were roses in the garden that she was like peeling the stems from she always would tell me like if you're ever in a pinch here's how you eat a flower like here's the edible part um so that story always stood out to me because it felt like there was the spiritual force that was protecting us and even in times of political and violent turmoil that there was some kind of ineffable inexplicable force that would protect our people and um, my mom in particular so that's a nice story yeah (laughs) (laughs) trying to add some positivity (laughs) the other story that i have is kind of a funny one Uh, my mom said that my uncle that i'm actually named after which is, this will make you <laughs> get when you hear what this uncle did. <clears throat> but my uncle that I'm named after <laughs> peed on the Buddha's altar at <laughs> great grandmother's house one day. I don't know why he did that, but he peed. And then my mom said his dick swelled up for like two weeks. <laughs> he peed on so... I like that this Buddhist force protected us, but also made our dick swell up as punishment. You know, you got to keep people in their place. I'll save you, but you can't piss on my shit. I mean, that is iconic and that's fantastic. Yeah. So I think that that's really the kind of Buddhism I grew up with. That's definitely not in the Bhagavad Gita, Trader Joseph's <laughs> Um, but I, as I mentioned earlier, I have some experience with Catholicism, too, because my one of my uncles married a, a Catholic 
Vietnamese lady and that was a wild ride because we'd go to their house and there was like so many rules. <laughs> it was I had was chewing gum one day and that was bad because that was disrespectful. I, I guess I grew up kind of wild. Like I didn't have rules like that. So the father told me and it's very patriarchal too. So that was a big difference about Catholicism because I grew up in a house run by women. So I was like, why is this man telling me what to do? I'll chew my gum. And then I got kind of scared. So I went to the bathroom and I spit it in the trash can. And then he came chasing after me with the trash can in his hand saying, why would you spit gum in the trash can? What if one of my grandchildren comes and digs it out and puts it in their mouth? And my first thought is like, why the fuck are your grandchildren digging through the trash eating old gum? Like, that's your problem. Like, what is your religion teaching your grandchildren? But anyway, uh, there was a lot of rules. So at their wedding, God, so many hours of, I don't know if it's just praying or what, but in reading from the Bible and they read in three languages. (laughs) (laughs) Reading in Vietnamese and Latin and some in English. And so it was triple long. I feel like I never sat for that long in my whole life. And uh, the, so they get up to do the uh, the wafer thing, the body of Christ. What is that called, Alara? What, what's the name for it? Yeah, it's it's the, his body, which is, is it, like to nibble on. The ritual does it have a name or? Is, um... um, I I'm sure it does. Do I know what it is? No, but I know like you're not supposed to take it like unless like you've like gone to confession and like you're like pure things so see herein lies our problem because <laughs> i'm nine or ten at the time i don't know what's happening i just want to get out of the pew like i just want to stand up um and i see that my family members like my mom my uncles all these people who are definitely not catholic have like never been to a catholic church they're getting up and they're doing it so i'm just following suit and i get up i'm like okay i'm gonna go on this line at least i get a cracker like i hope it's one of those handy snacks i can dip it in cheese (laughs) get some grape juice and the guy the catholic dad my new aunt's father literally pushes me like does the whole like (laughs) palm to the chest and pushes me back into the pew and he like shakes his finger in my face and says no catholic (laughs) and i was like damn dude and i was looking at my mom like mom what the hell come on like let me get a cracker let me get up out of here um and she just told me like ooh, like no don't make him mad we're in a church and i think my mom Um, And my grandma, too, there came a point in their lives where they were praying to everyone just to try and make things better. So I don't think she wanted to make the Jesus mad because he was like hanging there watching us. And she she was like, just sit there and don't cause trouble. So, yeah, I made the Jesus mad. I wasn't supposed to stand up and I did. That's okay. Um, You're not really missing much. I remember... (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I think it's like communion where like you are now like able to like take Mm. the body of Christ into your person and so I remember in CCD they would like show you you have to like hold it like with this hand and then pick it up with this hand and then like we practice with Mm Cheez-Its and then when the day came I thought I I was like expecting a Cheez-It and it, it tastes nothing 
like it. Mm. It's a very unique taste. It's not one of my personal favorites. What's um, it made out of? I have no idea. I don't know. Mm. Oh, Cheez-Its are good, though. Have you ever had those yeah. like Parmesan flavor blasted ones? That's something they should incorporate into religion. Yeah, literally. No, but I mean, like, I think that, like, using Cheez-Its for the body of Christ is, like, the most funniest analogy because it's always just setting you up for disappointment. Mm -hmm. You know? And hypertension. So salty. (laughs) (laughs) Are there um, other rituals or practices within those religions or others that you've experienced that made you really uncomfortable? Um, something that I've always noticed that I just like didn't understand was um, there's like one point and I think like other Christian churches may do this as well or um, but there's like one point in the service when like a basket comes around and you're essentially like putting in like money mm-hmm. like donations into the basket for the Cheez-Its. For the Cheez-Its. And I was just, and like, you know, my parents would like give me like coins or like a dollar or whatever to like put in the basket. And I'm just like, where is this money going? You guys have so much money and you're taking from people who don't have money, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, what is, what are these funds Yeah, like doing for the people who are like sitting here? That, like, you're supposed to, like, be taken care of, like, spiritually. Mm. And is it is it to build a new facility? Because we already got a new one built. You know? That's the shady thing about institutionalizing any kind of human practice, I feel like. Whether it's faith or education or medicine. Because I, you know, driving to work past these fucking mega churches. It <laughs> look like, you know, the, the Great Land Targets or the Super Walmarts. They're just ginormous. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have an aunt up in Oregon who's always been really involved with the church. And I know that the money that they use there would go toward like Sunday school and the art supplies for the kids and doing like food bank stuff for the community. Like you could see where money was going to help people. But then these other places, it's like, do you need a church that has those windows? Because I know (laughs) those windows are fucking expensive. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you know, whenever institutionalized things, people are involved, money, that scares me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, like, the most obvious one is just, you know, priests just molesting children. Oh, that old thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just... (laughs) Being relocated. Um, So I think that's like a big one for me. I don't know if that bugs anyone else, but. Yeah, that's probably a huge universal discomfort, I would hope. I am. So going to temple growing up, I, for the most part, going to temple was always a really positive thing for me. I think that whenever I prayed, it it released something in me. I think I was holding a lot in as a kid and trying to not be a troublemaker and trying to be good and trying to earn affection and validation and like a sense of worth. And so I think going to temple helped me release it because it felt like a, a time where I was alone and I could, my mom always taught me to just speak to like not 
because I, I, I know there's rules for prayer and other religions and things you have to recite, but she always said, just talk to her and ask her questions. And it's not about asking for things. It's just about sharing with her who you are. And the only rule was just make sure you'd say your name and your birthday so she knows which jade this is coming from. <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot of jade headless in the world, but anyway, I, I identified myself and then I would open up to her. So I think the opening up was always really positive and and that's still a hard thing for me to do it's really hard for me to open up here we are recording a podcast where I Mm -hmm. overshare too much but um but there were a couple things that made me uncomfortable about temple and the first thing is and I think this is where the patriarchal stuff was coming into play a little of that Chinese like Confucian influence on our culture But if I was on my period, I wasn't allowed to enter the temple or to pray because that was considered dirty. And, you know, a temple, you always take off your shoes and make sure you're clean and um, are like ready to to meet your your spiritual advisors, I guess. And I was always like, man, I'm on my period. I'm really struggling here. I need some help. I need to ask for some things. But it was that one time of the month where you couldn't really go and connect the way you wanted to. So that made me uncomfortable. I don't like dudes rules playing into how I get to do things and if my body's dirty or not. It's a natural thing and being told that it's dirty is pretty fucked up. The other thing that we would do at Temple is, especially around Lunar New Year, we would have this uh, like a bamboo cup full of sticks with numbers on them and we would pray and shake them and you would keep shaking until one stick fell out and then the number on that stick would correspond with essentially a fortune that you would pick up from the temple and it was supposed to predict your luck for the year things that you should and shouldn't do and at the time I thought it was cool I was like oh 37 it's gonna be a sexy year let's get a haircut but now looking back, I feel like it really contributed to my fear of math. No, um, <laughs> but, but like a system of numbers and like a, a way of thinking that dictates who you are and how you should be for a whole year. And if you diverge from that, then somehow you're unlucky. I don't know. It just felt like the system of there's a right number, there's a lucky number, and anything outside of that is pretty much fucked. And that felt very anxiety-inducing for me, I realize now. And so I didn't really like all of this fortunes and prediction and do this, don't do that on certain days because of the way the stars and the planets align and based on your birthday, because for our birthdays, we're also born under not only signs of animals, but of natural elements. Like I erroneously got born under the sign of the ocean. Uh, I'm definitely not that strong or awesome. (laughs) I'm maybe like a droplet out of a turtle's butthole, but I just yeah it made me feel really anxious and my mom would read this calendar every day of you know what you should and shouldn't do based on those signs so that probably made me feel uncomfortable about that so yeah just um, an anxious person worried about numbers worried about my period feeling real dirty and just wanting some cheez-its for some reason yes 
Um, so question, Jade. Uh-oh. Because you've kind of given me, like, some positive and also some negative, like, mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings on <laughs> your religious uh-huh. upbringing. So where, <laughs> where do you stand now? Like, in, like, what's your day-to-day like on this topic? And how did you may or may not lose your faith? Question. I maybe like many people had a crisis of faith about five years ago where I felt like my faith was shattered and it was very disillusioning and sad frankly because I always felt that that was something that was strong in me and something I could always go back to and feel accepted for in a world where I felt like I wasn't accepted by either of my cultures or races um, and just feeling left out of or on the margins of a lot of groups that I tried to belong to so my faith was the one place that was like just for me. And so it was really sad to have that broken. And, uh, you know, I still kind of struggle with saying what exactly broke it. But it was after my first, after I gave birth to my first daughter. And I was suffering really bad postpartum depression and was super suicidal and stuff. And um, I... I didn't have a lot of support and I didn't know how to ask for support. And uh, I think because my mom was the one who taught me how to practice the faith and she taught me the stories that led to the creation of values and beliefs that she wasn't around for me during that hardest time of my life, that I think it was like too painful to practice it like even when I needed help the most I couldn't ask for help in the one way that I grew up knowing how to ask for help which is through prayer and I couldn't do it because I think I was so wounded that I was going through this terrible thing at a time when I was supposed to be happy that I have this new baby and but at the same time I wasn't feeling happy I was really struggling and and my mom wasn't there for me like she speaking of colonization she went on a trip to Europe (laughs) and people who like googled vietnamese culture they're like oh it's so nice that vietnamese people have this tradition of like 100 days the mother stays with you i was like i didn't even get a postcard from france so yeah i think (laughs) that broke it for me and honestly i haven't i've tried to pray since then i've really tried uh and I haven't been able to. So there's something deeper that I probably can't even conceive of or articulate right now at this time in my life, but something like broke deep within me. So uh, my altar is still up at my house with the Buddha and uh, candles and cups and plates for fruit, but they've remained empty and dusty. So I'll just see how it goes, see if that's something I could get back to, but Right now, it's kind of dead to me. Uh, Allura, how did your face die? <laughs> or I guess you kind of told us when it died for you early on, but where do you stand now with faith or spirituality? Yeah, I personally, I'm not 
practicing anything. I'm also not really looking for like answers, you mm. know, um, in that way. Like I don't, I don't want to be saved, nor do I feel like I need to, nor do I want to know what happens to us after we die, you know, like all those things. Like I'm just like, mm. I'm living life. What happens happens. I have my own like moral code that I stand behind, you know? Um, and yeah, I'm not looking for anything right now except for SZA and Lord, we trust. (laughs) (laughs) You got to see you in person. So that's like a, a religious rite of passage right there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I've never really believed in it. Like, like I said, like early on when I could, for my own like thoughts and feelings on the subject um and I do want to say that you are a very moral person like you'll joke about it and be like oh yeah I'm a demon from hell and we all laugh <laughs> we agree but you on a serious note you are a very moral person like you have code and you're extremely loyal and you give a lot and work very hard for the things you believe in and the things that you feel are right. So I think that's really important to point out because, you know, people may disagree with what we're saying about religion and spirituality, but that is not, you know, like morality is, it's not one in the same as that. So you can be a very moral person without having to subscribe to all these religious beliefs. Yeah. And I, I think like with like the problem, in my opinion, like with organized religion is like, people will go to like a service like one day a week and like check that off their box you know and like that's their good deed like Mm -hmm. they're good to go and they can wreak havoc on everyone's lives for the remaining six days um and then you know they just come back once a week just to check off that box like i am a good person i am saved Mm -hmm. i do all these things but they don't lead the life that they say they do. And so I think that's my main issue with like people who like push their agenda, like their religious like agendas onto others, but they are like, they don't practice what they preach. And I think that's like what really just angers me and (laughs) makes me super resentful is like, you don't have to go to church or like practice a religion in public to be a good person and to make good choices and decisions. Yeah. You know, that's literally your slogan, make good choices. Quite literally. I, one thing that I think we have in common. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the main cores of our shared morality is no tolerance for hypocrisy. Like if you're going to say something, walk the walk too, because that kind of hypocritical behavior is just, it, it erases a lot of things throughout Mm -hmm. our history and in our daily lives, like the little things uh, and day-to-day interactions. And that erasure feels very hurtful and very violent. So yeah, I I would agree with you on that. I feel like I was going to say something else about that, but I can't remember. Um, 
you know, one thing, oh, about the people who, yeah, who say one thing and act another. So Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way, came to the door once and um, I opened my door and the, with the Buddhism, the altar is always supposed to face the front door. She's because she's like the protector of this domestic sphere in your home. It, like the sailors used to pray to her to bring them back home if they got lost. So she always faces out to see whoever comes to the door. And this Jehovah's Witness comes to my door once. I had a super small apartment. So the Buddha was like right there. And she kind of like gives me the up and down and then <laughs> looks at the Buddha. And she goes, hi, would you like to learn how to become a good person? And I just lost it. <laughs> that was so judgy. <laughs> At that time in my life, I was a teacher and I was also volunteering at uh, a shelter for people who had lost their homes. It was for women and children. And I was just like doing all these things that I thought was like, this is what a good person does, right? Like we help out our communities and she has the audacity to come to my door. Look at my little Jade Buddha and say, you want to learn how to become a person? I was like, man, you're a bitch because you haven't had a birthday party in 45 years. Get off my doorstep. Oh so, God, so um, yeah, that that made me really angry. And, okay, so one other thing that makes me angry about a lot of Western organized religions is that they really dispute the, the reality of ghosts and haunting and spirits because of all of this narrative about going to heaven and your soul has to do this or whatever. And same thing with the other end of the spectrum that's like, oh, when you die, you're just uh, you know, warm food or whatever. That's fine. Whatever you want to believe, that's fine. But don't tell me that my ghosts aren't real because that is real. If you tell me that didn't happen, then I am certifiably insane and you better call the paddy wagon to come pick me up right now. So I just don't like it when people tell others that what they believe is not true. And mm -hmm. I find it really fascinating how a lot of these beliefs come up in movies. Because for me, like, I can't watch ghost movies anymore because it's so real to me. It scares the shit out of me and I can't sleep for weeks. But it's really interesting to watch movies about the other things I don't believe in, but that are equally scary. Like Stigmata. <laughs> That's scary. Have you seen that movie or heard of it? <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so I don't know exactly what the religious belief is, but there's this movie called Stigmata from so long ago. I think Patricia Arquette's in it. And she starts getting uh, wounds that Jesus got. I remember it like starts on her palms or palms, like pentagrams on her palms, like devil shit, and it's bleeding. And then she starts getting uh, wounds, like crucifixion wounds. And I don't know how that happens or what the belief is. <laughs> But that scared the shit out of me. So I want to know, Allura, what movies with creepy crawly stuff like that, like horror movie stuff, really scares you the most? Um, that's hard because I, I feel like I can... I'm more scared of like the more like realistic things that can happen like home invasions like yeah <laughs> we're very scared of asian americans being taken 
number one crime. Taken, the movie literally scarred me for life. I watched it when I was like nine yeah. and I was like, I swear to God, I will never go to Paris. Um, <laughs> I, I still haven't seen it and I won't watch it because I have daughters. Oh my gosh. It's, I think it's a good teaching moment. Um, <laughs> for daughters. So... <laughs> Oh, but anyway, um, <laughs> you need to watch it. It's it's so good. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, but then, like you know, human trafficking is like everywhere, all over the world, probably in your backyard. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's mute. Anyway, um, I always bring this up, but um, Midnight Mass, the TV show on Netflix, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it's so good, and it's all about it's about like Catholicism. Um, and it's just all the different like personalities you encounter within religion and outside of it. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting. And it's also like a horror type like show too. So you get like the, you know, conversation and like self-awareness of like religion. And then you get like the element of like mm. horror. You recommended that show to me a while back, and so I tried it, and um, I made it through about 30 minutes and had to call it quits. Similar to your recommendation of Euphoria, which I could not make it through one episode of because I was so disturbed, and you're like, oh my god, it's so good, they're so pretty. (laughs) This is fucking horrifying. Well, with Midnight Mass, is it uh, is there demonic stuff in it later on? Um, I don't want to spoil the fun, but okay. growing up, I was obsessed with Twilight, uh-huh. and so one of the creatures in Twilight makes a resurgence in Midnight Mass. Um, Wait, but Twilight, the whole werewolves vampires love story Twilight. Yes. yes. Okay. Hmm. So one of those creatures makes a resurgence in Midnight Mass. It has nothing to do with Twilight. I was just making that as a reference. Um, anyway, okay. so, hmm. yeah. But they introduce it as being like an angel from the Bible. Like, mm, and how angels not. are like terrifying. Like every time like a human has like, encountered an angel sent from god like it's been terrifying Mm -hmm. and it's just so interesting like how um like some characters like interpret the bible and like the lessons and like the meaning to this like terrible situation and they make it justifiable and they make it like a positive thing when really it's like the demise of the end of the world so (laughs) it's so good it's so thought-provoking, but also entertaining. I used to work in this store that sold little knickknacks, and it was a lot of older white ladies coming in with their disposable income to buy little porcelain figures of precious moments angels. And angels were always depicted as, like, these light, fluffy, innocent, like, naked baby things. But then I watched Kevin Smith's Dogma, which is, I think, a very smart indictment of the hypocrisies in Catholicism. And the angel figures in that, I mean, they're played by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, who are essentially just memes now. But they were like gun-toting criminals. They were just wreaking havoc and seeking vengeance and losing their minds and basically like teetering on the verge of becoming demons. So I think that's really interesting the way that 
angels have been built up in our culture, in American culture, but biblically, it's uh, mm-hmm. something quite different. That Bible is a hell of a book. Oh, that Old Testament? I could read that all day. Yeah, yeah. Who needs John Wick when you have the Old Testament? <laughs> yeah, I... Man, I, I, when I went to Cal State Long Beach, I would often sit by myself reading a book, as I do. And so uh, missionaries would always come and try to convert me. And at one particularly lonely part of my life, when I had just experienced a death in my family, I was like, okay, let's fucking go for it. I'm going to say yes for once. <laughs> and so I went and I read the Bible with them. I was like, dang, this shit is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy it's so fun so yeah I had a I went to a Christian university I didn't know it was Christian and then I got trapped there anyway Mm -hmm. so one of the (laughs) one of the courses I had to take was like biblical perspectives and so our textbook was quite literally the bible and so Mm -hmm. we had to like read like certain like chapters like throughout and yeah, I love the Old Testament. It was such a hoot of a time. I was just like, oh, for real? <laughs> That's oh, crazy. Yeah. I, so when I was a, a PhD student and I had to TA for other professors' classes, which is, oh my God, you see, there are some terrible teachers in the university system. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so I had to TA this whole year uh, on religious studies or something. I don't know how I got sucked into that shit, but I had to read all of the major religions, uh, foundational texts. So Old Testament, New Testament, the Quran, a bunch of other things I don't remember, but it was amazing what students came into the class believing. And then when you actually read it, how it's nothing what they believe. (laughs) So there's just, you're right, there's so much misinterpretation of that. And that's that human element of mistake and the fact that humans are sometimes idiots. Like they don't know how to read or to take a message rather than to take things literally. And so I, as a literature teacher, came in and was like, hey, look, this is a story. Like, what's Mm -hmm. the message you're getting out of this? Not, you know, what did Aisha do and how can we punish women for the rest of eternity based on what Aisha did? You know, so it's just fascinating how people would misinterpret and then make a rule out of it and then use that to make everyone else's lives a living hell and then fight each other over it when all the books are pretty much saying something similar anyhow. Um, Where do we go from here? (laughs) No one's listening anymore. (laughs) <laughs> they all blocked us. No. Horror movie though. the podcast. <laughs> yeah. to be cut down. Oh my god, the church is coming after us. Uh, the horror movies though. I remember being shown Poltergeist at a very young age. I'm talking like 3 or 4 years old. And oh my that, gosh, that was such a funny movie. Okay, but at the time it, that was a contemporary movie when I was a kid. So that was the latest and greatest technological like cgi special effects for that time so for me it felt very intense like oh just the haunting and everything i i can't even walk down a hallway anymore without being afraid because of that fucking movie so yeah any ghost movies is just way too scary for me and we are gonna have a episode 
all about ghosts because all my ghost stories are too much so exciting to talk about here um now with everything that we've said that Mm -hmm. is quite condemning of organized religion (laughs) would you ever convert for love for power for any reason do you think you would convert to a religion um I don't think I would ever necessarily convert to like a religion, but I would be open to like exploring other in others and just like seeing what is out there and if any makes sense to me. Mhm. Um I don't I don't necessarily see myself like totally just flipping a switch and being all gun gun ho about <laughs> Well, you can go to Trader Joe's and their cashiers will speak to you at length about a variety of religions. Oh, man. I love Trader Joe's so much. Okay. What do I you love want- when the workers just flirt with you a little bit. It makes me feel good inside. Oh, that's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, what do you buy when you go to Trader Joe's? Like, what are your favorite Trader Joe's snacks? Oh, my i don't think we need a whole separate podcast episode for this okay there oh, is bong for trader joe's yes there is this mu- like truffle mushroom flatbread oh i've had that oh my god it is delicious it is so good you know why i tried that it's because of you because we went okay. to a restaurant once and i ordered something and you tasted it and you're like this tastes like trader joe's and i was like oh well i gotta go get that and i tried it and it did taste like it, it was very good right it's so good. You're when very I influential. Always, thank you. I always buy it and then I put it in the freezer and then I forget that I bought it. And so whenever mm-hmm. I open it, like for like when we don't have dinner and we need to like do like frozen foods, I it's always just chef's kiss. I just love it so much. That's a nice surprise. Um, that I always get like minimum three bottles of Matua because it's like $10 mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. So I always stock up on there. Matua um, is my favorite wine, by the way. I'm trying to get them sponsored on the podcast, but Do those bottles it. make it past Monday at your house. Um, they used to, but not anymore. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Matua sponsorship. Um, ooh, those dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Oh, those are so good, especially if you so put good. it in the freezer. Oh. oh delicious um i just love everything trader joe's i could stay there forever and buy everything you know they, they have, have these like windmill cookies that are like um, almond mm-hmm, those are good i love anything almond yeah almond flavor is really good there's a cupcake place by my house that makes almond flavored cupcakes for uh-huh. easter and they're delicious at trader joe's they have a strawberry licorice that is to die for it's so good and it's soft too mm. the hard licorice i also like they have honey no honey yeah honey sesame cashews Ooh. delicious and this is going to sound disgusting but their carrot juice so good interesting i, I think they must pour sugar in it or something because it's 100 oh, really good yeah i think a lot of people believe that trader joe's is a health food market it is not, it is not. everything is super unhealthy there it is diabetes central over diabetes there. central and that's why we love it so much 
Um, so you will. Oh, Trader Joe's. <laughs> so you're open to learning about other religions. <laughs> so big digression. Food just eclipses everything else in my mind. Um, well, I am married. Um, <laughs> he did not ask me to convert. Did you know my husband was an altar boy growing up? Oh, that's cute. My first question was, did you get diddled? And he didn't. That's, that was my follow-up question. <laughs> Are you a victim? So did uh, he? I don't think so. Oh. Unless, you know, you know, marriage is a continuous process of learning about each other. So it might come out. Uh, but yeah, sexual abuse. Terrible, right? It fucks us all up. Whew. There's another episode. There's a series of episodes on that topic. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, I'm hoping to stay married. If, if, if it doesn't work out, I know it's my fault. I will say that. <laughs> the jump. But I don't, I don't think I would convert just because it's a lot of time. Because mm-hmm. if you think about the religions that want you to convert, it's usually Judaism or Catholicism. That's a lot of stuff you got to read and mm-hmm. practice and learn. And I just don't have time or patience for that right now. Or ever. So probably not. I'm like you. I, I always like to learn about it. I love to read about stuff and yeah. go to places and look at things. And when I was in Ireland, I went to all the churches and learned about how the beauty and grandeur of the architecture and stained glass windows was to convince stupid, illiterate people just to follow <laughs> whatever they said. And I was like, well, I'll take a picture. <laughs> And yeah, I don't, I don't, I really have no desire for power in my life. I don't like to be in charge or have power mm-hmm. over other people. So I don't think there's any other reason that I would need to convert unless it's by force or something. Then I'd be like, all right, whatever. Cause yeah, I'm just not putting up a fight these days. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, if you kick down some of that strawberry licorice those dark chocolate peanut butter cups i'll do whatever you say oh that's so good all right alora this is the big one let's say this makes me uncomfortable takes off and we get tons of followers and we get our own religion what would it look like 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 what are our major tenants gonna be what taboos what no-nos are off the table like what does this religion look like to you I assume that you're going to be the one in charge. That's why I'm asking you this. Yeah, because I've always imagined myself being a dictator and, like, running my own country. And so... (laughs) You'd be great at that. (laughs) I feel like it would just be peace and prosperity. It'd be a utopia. But Mm -hmm. who hasn't thought of that uh, before if they were in power? Um, Some... Like, it's interesting because I think, what is it? Is it the Ten Commandments? Where it's just like, Thou shalt thy neighbor, like, mm-hmm. don't steal, don't murder. Like, those are just, like, universal Duh. like things to just not do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I align with most of those things. And so I think, me, just personally, just be a good person. Like, kind of the golden rule like Mm -hmm. would you like that to happen to you then don't do it you know 
like treat yeah. others how you want to be treated. Uh, be considerate of others. I like art, like my Japanese culture and also like my Chamorro culture because we're all very giving and loving and also very respectful of others. Um, mm-hmm. And so I always stand by that as well. Um, I don't know. I would say like just worship me. Yeah, well, naturally, we all do. So that's a given. You know, uh, I was at my daughter's school the other day, and I said hello to two people, and they did not say hello back. <gasps> Rude. That could be a rule. Just, like, say hello. It's taking me yeah. a great like- effort to say hello to your dumbass, so you can just <laughs> at least smile back or something. I'm trying to be friendly for the sake of our kids, because they go to school together, and it's like, why are you just ignoring me like what did I do to you and also dads don't comment on the other mom's appearances that's creepy oh yeah that's weird it didn't happen to me because no one notices me but <laughs> it happened to some of the other younger hotter moms and I was just like gross dude man what are you mm-hmm. like what are you even trying to do here yeah I'd so probably how- like emasculate all the men so that they're not a danger to people mm-hmm. yeah like are you talking about actual castration or just through words and behaviors um, that you'll belittle them? maybe just a mixture of all of it whatever works because every person's different that's right you're all about individuality and embracing diversity <laughs> exactly <laughs> i want to get to know you to see if castration is right for you right He's a loving dictator. It's that tomorrow culture. <laughs> You're so hostile. Yeah. I think um, a ritual that our religion should have is kind of like what we do here is just people making time and space to sit down and talk with each other a little bit mm-hmm. more, even if they don't want to. Cause I know I don't want to talk to most people. And this is not about you, but most like other people, I don't want to talk to them, but once you're in it for five, ten minutes, yeah, you're in it. Like you're finding interesting things about this person. And so, yeah, I think once you get to know people as people, and even if you don't have things in common, there's something about them that you like. And so you're less likely to be a dick in the world if you realize that other people are people too. I think also like um, sharing food. Mm-hmm. Just having big feasts. Yeah. Communal food spaces. Communal food spaces. Rule number one. Thou shalt share your food with me. Is me a word in the Bible? Or do they say thine or something? No, that's theirs. Uh, who knows how language works? You know, the other day, my daughter looked at me dead in the face and said, Mom, you don't know English very well. And I said, that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So that's the closing prayer. Just mumbles and groans because we don't know English very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what we could open every religious ritual and close every religious ritual with? Oh, what? Your laughter. Oh. 
There you go. What the people want. We serve our people. All right. I, I think that's that. it, Allura. We're in an I, hour I and think so. That's really good. Um, I feel like we weren't too disrespectful. I think we... Oh, I'm sure people will disagree. Oh, 100%. Um... <laughs> Hopefully we still have followers and mm-hmm. listeners. Let's pray on it. <laughs> well, that's it, everyone. Thank you for making it this far. Um, and if you did make it this far, I appreciate you because you don't get scared easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Thanks for listening. That was it. Please go say a prayer for me and Jade. We we really do. Bye. Bye.